friends, and welcome back to the Healthier Together podcast. I'm your host, Liz Moody, and I'm a cookbook author and longtime journalist. We're taking a little bit of a left turn today with an episode that I am personally very excited about, which is all about how to look cute. Basically, this year, I realized how little my clothes reflected or conveyed who I am as a person, and it became my personal mission to figure out this whole style thing, which is how I discovered today's amazing guest, stylist extraordinaire Charlie Goss. If you're like, wait, what does style have to do with wellness? Well, like I say all the time, wellness in general and this podcast specifically is all about helping you live your healthiest, happiest life. I think that style and the confidence that comes with feeling like your clothes express who you are can be a really big part of feeling your best, which we talk about in this episode. At the beginning of the episode, Charlie shares her two-time journey with tongue cancer and her childhood experience of moving to a foreign country. For her, style was more than fabric on a body. It was a way of communicating, of expressing herself, of feeling confident. It's a way to be even more you. We get into Charlie's health journey and the remarkable perspective it's given her in this episode, and then we get into all of my very specific and detailed questions about how the F to look cute. She shares the one thing people inadvertently do that makes them less stylish, how to find shoes that are fashion forward but comfortable enough to walk in, a genius tip to know what trends are going to stick around and are worth investing in and which are more fleeting her specific favorite stores for shoes, bags, trendy items, jeans, and more, the actual difference between pricey jeans and more affordable ones, the five items everyone should have in their closet, and so much more. I'm actually so excited to hear your thoughts on this episode. I've been absolutely loving our Instagram conversations about style and trends. So please screenshot as you're listening and share any thoughts, feelings, reactions, aha moments on Instagram. I am at Liz Moody and Charlie is at Charlie, C-H-A-R-L-Y, no E, Goss. If you love the episode, I would also just so appreciate you spreading the word, whether it's on social or to a bestie in real life. Oh, and like I mentioned, Charlie did have tongue cancer twice. They basically rebuilt her tongue, which we talk about in here. She's perfectly lovely to listen to, super cool and hilarious, like you're going to fall in love with her. But if you have a hard time catching a word anywhere, I'm going to put a full transcript of this one on lizmoody.com. So just head over there and click on the post for this episode or click on the direct link in the show notes. All right, that's it from me. Let's find out how to dress cute with Charlie Goss. All right, Charlie, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. I have gotten to experience your personal genius, and I'm really excited to share it with everybody listening. Thanks for having me. I'm honored to be here. (laughs) Amazing. Okay, so we're going to get into like, literally, I have so many style questions. Mostly they revolve around like, how do I look cute? But also, how do I feel like I'm in pajamas at all times whilst looking cute, which is really important to me. Right. <laughs> the dream. So we'll get into that in a second. But you also have a very compelling personal story that I would like to get into a little bit as well, which is sure. that one of my very favorite chefs actually in the world. Have you heard of Alinea? Yeah, Craig Katz, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah, had yeah. tongue cancer as well, which I think is crazy because he's like a world-class chef and then he had oh, tongue yeah. cancer and he had this really crazy story about having to like learn how when his taste came back, he couldn't taste individual flavors, but he could do like sour, sweet, salty, the right. basic things. And kind then he the said, that, yeah. Yeah, which I'm sure you have experience with as well. So, like him, you've had tongue cancer twice, right? 
place yeah <laughs> which is crazy I really went for it hug you know? yeah, yeah you really did not do it halfway um no <laughs> so can you tell me a little bit about that how did you find out I remember seeing on your stories you had to demand your dentist or something like check it out or something like that how'd you find out in the first place yeah I had sort of a a spot on my tongue that wasn't healing I'm sure we've all had that thing where you have like a swollen taste bag kind of and it's like bothering you and it goes away in a few days mine did not go away so I went to my doctor and told him I had this sort of spot that was causing a bit of pain and I was shrugged off a few times and finally went back and demanded I'd really like to biopsy this if for no other reason than to help me sleep at night. And I think about five weeks later, I was having half of my tongue removed. Wow. At Cancer Hospital of downtown Toronto. So yeah, I didn't go back to that family doctor ever again. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's crazy. It's really yeah. an argument for advocating for yourself and like trusting. Did you just have that like niggling feeling in your gut? I actually think this is more... Yeah, I, I knew, I mean, Dr. Google can be both a blessing and a curse, but doing some preliminary Googling about having something on your tongue that really will not heal anywhere on your body, something that will not heal, is a cause for concern. And the fact that nobody listened to me is also a cause for concern, but I knew that something was up. And same when it came back, I knew that something was up. Did they give you a reason why you would have tongue cancer twice? Is it in your family? Is there a gene going on? It feels crazy, especially given that you're so young as well. So young. This is a man's disease for mainly men that have been smoking their whole lives. This is typically who would get this type of cancer. There was some interest about me being a woman of like, vaguely Celtic and Anglo-Saxon background Hmm. and they were doing a study and they asked me to sign a bunch of paperwork. I donated both of my tumors from both surgeries and they took them I think to Boston University Hmm. to evaluate whether that was a commonality that should be looked into further. They've never contacted me since so I don't know how valid that concern was. But they gave me no reason. Just bad luck. Were you pissed? Like, what is the reaction when your life is going great? You're married. Did you have your babies at that point? No, I had no babies. No babies. But were you married to your husband at that point? I was not married to my hot husband. We had been dating for about a year. Oh, wow. And yeah, I had to say to him, are you in or are you out? Oh, my gosh. Is a hard conversation to have that I think I was 23 and he was 24. So we had to have that sort of discussion and he was all in, which is amazing. He's been so supportive through both surgeries. But yeah, I was pissed. I was fucking pissed. I mean, I'm young and I am chatty. I'm British and... All I ever want to do is talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And I had to have my tongue cut out 
two times. Yeah. Yeah, I was pissed. Where are you at with it now? I think about my anxiety is obviously such a different situation, but Mm -hmm. I'd say five years ago, maybe three years, maybe three or two years ago, I was still like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I wish I hadn't had the seizure that's caused all this PTSD and whatever. And then now I'm at a place where I love where I am now so much that I wouldn't want to take anything out of that. So I'm curious how it sits on the course of your life at this point. I just have this question kind of on my Instagram Q&A and I responded, I see through cancer-covered glasses now. Everywhere I go, I have to be concerned about, is there something safe to eat? Do I know the people well enough that there's going to be no question about the way that I speak? Mm. If I'm on TV, if I'm on a podcast, am I going to be understood? When I'm meeting clients, I think about it all the time. It has permeated my entire worldview just because it is something that I have to think about all the time. Every party Mm -hmm. I attend, every restaurant I go to, every trip we take, I have to think about eating, speaking, drinking safely and comfortably. But that said... Yeah, I I wouldn't change it, I don't think, now. Really? No, it has given me sort of an existential gratitude that I don't think I ever would have had before that. I was pretty Mm. reckless in my youth. My brother, who has sort of his own mental health challenges, was also a reckless kid, not by products of our parents raising us. I think that we were just defiant kids. And having cancer gives you a certain shake Mm. that I don't think I would have otherwise gotten. Huh. Do you think you'd be doing the job you're doing now if you hadn't had cancer? I have no idea. Probably in fashion somewhere because I managed to fuck everything else up. <laughs> it's the only thing I'm good at. But I don't know that I would have had the confidence to say screw everything else. I would wonder, I think that having to work through the self-consciousness, like you said, that would color like meeting right. new people, going to a restaurant, like all right. that, if that would just imbue you with this deep personal sense of confidence. Although also, it could also like just get exhausting to constantly be like, I'm great. I'm worthy of being here. This is just part of me and you have to be cool with it. You know what I mean? I think it's both. Yeah. I mean, I've heard you talk on here so much about Everybody has imposter syndrome. Yeah. Whatever we call it. Everybody has that. In every room I've ever been into, unless I'm wearing a really good outfit, (laughs) I'm like, I I don't deserve to be here. Somebody's looking at me. Somebody's talking shit about me, making fun of me, whatever it is. There's never really for any of us, I mean, I imagine maybe we're just a special kind of anxious. I don't know. But there's no way that you ever walk into a room and you're like, shit, yeah, this is my room. No. 
So I love that you said, unless I'm wearing a really great outfit, because I think that fashion can be sometimes perceived as very surface level. And why are we paying attention to what we're wearing? But I think Mm -hmm. that that gives a little bit of a segue into how fashion can be so much more than something that is really surface level. So maybe you can kick us off by being, why do you think fashion is important? Oh my God. From a personal perspective, I moved here from England. I live in Canada right now. I'm in Toronto and moved here from England with my family when I was about 10 and obviously was wearing the very wrong thing. Kids made it known that I was wearing the very wrong thing. And that was absolutely crushing to be mm. 11 and be made fun of, not only for your accent. So I was made fun of for the way I speak, even back then. <laughs> <laughs> Which just feels so unfair because I feel like everybody sitting, listening who doesn't have an English accent right now would right. Like, give their left arm for yeah, a cute British accent. They had no idea how cool <laughs> I was, even back then. Madonna and Gwyneth like went to England. When we were living in England, I literally was there and I was like, should I try Uh actively to acquire this accent or will everybody (laughs) hate me when I come back to the States? Am I committing or (laughs) not? Yeah, I put on the fake American accent for so long and my parents (laughs) made fun of me so hard I couldn't win. But clothing for me felt like a really important way to fit in at that time, for lack of a better way to say it, it was the thing that seemingly made me stick out. Mm. So I think right that time in my life really solidified my sort of obsession with fashion as a form of confidence and fashion Mm. as a way to communicate confidence and to feel great and change sort of the way that they were making me feel about myself. And so now I sort of feel like I help women who are probably at that feeling for some reason in their life. Often it is a body change, a life change. Maybe you've had kids and you've lost yourself or whatever it might be. Usually people are coming to me for a reason to say, I just don't know how to dress anymore. Help. And that's sort of what we do. Well, and I think that what's really been interesting to me about working with you is we did a wardrobe overhaul. This is so fun. Close to the end <laughs> of it, I think. <laughs> but what's been really interesting to me about it is that I feel a certain way on the inside and I feel like I am a certain right. person. And then I feel that was in a and not a state of alignment with how I was, how other people were perceiving me based on how I looked. It's like knowing you are who you are on the inside and then wanting everybody to be able to perceive you the way you Mm -hmm. perceive yourself, I think is a really cool role that fashion can play. And something I ask every client, I mean, we've done you virtually, but I do a lot of in-person overhauls too. So we go into their closet and we tear it apart and we laugh and we cry and it's so fun but I say to every client tell me the three things that you love the most about yourself like three positive things about yourself and it's often really hard for people 
to kind of succinctly mm. say it. But we keep that in mind as we touch every item and we think about, like, does this dress from 1999 say confident, powerful, joyful? No, then it's garbage, friend. I love that as an exercise, too, because it feels so much more helpful. I've condoed a lot. I went through a period where I read the Marie Kondo book, and then I threw old photographs of Zach, and he still hasn't forgiven. He was like, why did you need to condo my old pictures? And I said, I don't know, man. I was like, I was on a kick. I was in a groove. I was throwing everything away. None of it matters. But I think to spark joy it's helpful, but only to an extent, I think there's something really lovely and specific that people, anybody listening could do at home of like, well, what are my three things that I love the most or want to portray the most to the world? And then as you pick up everything, instead of saying, does this spark joy saying like, does this do any of those three things? It's so actionable and useful to think about it that way. And I think that, yeah, sparking joy is great to the point, but if I only had a wardrobe full of things that spark joy, my wardrobe would be insane. It would be like <laughs> sequins and feathers sequins, and like yeah. crazy town. You have to have, I always sort of start my clients with, this sounds boring, but it isn't, I swear, a base of like, <laughs> let's say 10 to 15 sort of capsule items. So basic, neutral very well-fitting items that you can then add your joy into to create a really versatile, mm. really versatile wardrobe. Otherwise, yeah, you just yeah. You're have a closet full of feathers and sequins. Yeah, I picture that outfit that, like, Carrie's wearing at the beginning of Sex in the City with, like, yeah. the tulle <laughs> skirt. It sparks joy. <laughs> we'd all be wearing tutus around. And it, maybe we'd all be, like, honestly, I'm like, is the world where we're all wearing fairy wings and tutus around, like, a bad place yeah, to maybe, move? Maybe I don't maybe know. That sounds yeah. kind of magical. <laughs> You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. My favorite health hacks are the ones that have the biggest payoffs for the smallest amounts of effort. And this is such a good one. When you are drinking your tea or coffee in the morning, just add one packet or scoop of Great Lakes Wellness Collagen Peptides. I definitely was a bit of a collagen skeptic until I had dermatologist Dr. Whitney Bowe on the podcast. You can scroll back to her Ask the Doctor episode. She said it is not a myth. There is research to support how great collagen is for your skin. And then, of course, I did my own deep dive and I was so impressed with the known benefits for things like your skin, your hair, and your joint health. Studies show that collagen can help improve your skin's hydration, which is something that I am especially looking for during this time of year when everything just feels a little bit drier. Zach likes the marine collagen, and then I like the grass-fed beef collagen, but both are incredibly well-sourced and certified by third parties, which is the number one thing that I look for. And since I've started incorporating collagen into my everyday routine, I have noticed strong and healthy nails, and my hair feels thicker and fuller, which we love. And Zach's knees are feeling so good despite all of the time that he is spending running. One of my favorite things about the Great Lakes Wellness Collagen Peptides is that I cannot taste them at all and they dissolve so well in hot and cold beverages. Not all collagen can dissolve in cold beverages and some days you just want an iced tea. 
To try out Great Lakes Wellness collagen packets or their bigger tubs, use code Liz Moody for 25% off. Yes, 25% off. That is a huge discount off of your first purchase at greatlakeswellness.com. That is Liz Moody for 25% off at greatlakeswellness.com. We love talking about our gut health here on the Healthier Together podcast, which is why I'm so excited to share the life-changing Seed Daily Symbiotic. I actually discovered Seed back when I was working as an editor full-time. A bottle came across my desk, and I was instantly taken by how cute the green glass packaging is. Then I found out that that packaging was actually refillable so that Seed could share its products as sustainably as possible. And then I actually looked into the research behind Seed, and well, I was blown away. First of all, seed is not just a probiotic, it is a symbiotic. That means it contains both pre and probiotics, which is super important. In fact, if you remember my Ask the Doctor Gut Health Edition, we talked about how prebiotics are one of the most important and often underlooked components of great gut health. Let me break it down for you. Probiotics are the live bacteria that are so beneficial to our gut health, but prebiotics are the food that those probiotics need to thrive. If you don't have ample prebiotics, the probiotics you're consuming will be undernourished and not be able to help your health in the way that you want. Speaking of your health, there's also a common misconception that probiotics or symbiotics are for people with gut issues, which is so not true. Like, yes, the seed symbiotic is amazing for your gut health, but your gut health impacts everything in your entire body, your skin, your mental health, your cardiovascular health, your ability to actually assimilate the maximum amount of nutrients from all that healthy food you're eating, having a happy gut is critical for all of it. It is hard to narrow down everything else that I love about seed. I am extremely particular with my supplements and I don't take many, but seed is just stellar across the board. It's been tested and tested and tested. Seriously, their testing process is bananas to make sure that it has 100% survival through the digestive process, which is so rare. And somehow they do all of that without needing refrigeration, which is very handy. I find that when I have refrigerated probiotics, I just forget about them and they get buried behind like old jars of pasta sauce, whereas I keep these on my bedside table, so I'm reminded to take them every single night. They also contain the 24 strains that are the most scientifically studied to support your whole body's health. I am obviously passionate about this stuff. Taking care of my gut has been a key part of my own anxiety journey, and Seed has been a vital part of that. So feel free to reach out with any questions. And if you like learning about gut health and how probiotics and prebiotics actually function, I highly recommend heading over to Seed.com. They have a whole educational section that breaks down the science behind your microbiome in some of the easiest to understand ways that I have ever seen. And if you would like to try Seed for yourself and pretty much change your life forever, you can go to Seed.com and use the code LizMoody for 15% off your first month's supply of Seed's Daily Symbiotic. Again, that's code LizMoody on Seed.com. Now, let's get back to the episode. Okay, so let's get into some specifics. What is one thing that you could add to any outfit, or maybe not to any outfit, but that every person should have in their closet to make things more chic or stylish instantly? Either an oversized black blazer or a black Mm. mojo jacket. So a real, like, you have a great one. It has, like, white stars on it. I know. It was the only thing you asked me what I liked yeah. that I owned. And I was like, you were like nothing. Only this. And then you were like, you have to like something. And I was like, I only like this jacket. <laughs> yeah. I think that that jacket is 
sick and the way it makes you feel <laughs> is important. Like yeah. that makes you feel those three things. You're like, I want to feel sexy. I want to feel edgy. I want to feel cool. It makes you feel those things. Yeah. A topper, though, that's sort of what I call it in this neck of the woods is kind of crucial. It is a pillar of our styling philosophy here. I know that you had Tristan and Rihanna and they were talking about three-piece dressing. How you have like a pant and a top mm-hmm. and then you add a layer. Yeah, that is a topper. We can do a cozy sort of button-up cardigan that is a big trend right now. You can do a blazer, a mullo jacket, an oversized denim jacket, a great coat. Those are all toppers. Okay, wait. So I asked okay. them this on that episode, and I know we're going into winter in the uh-huh. Northern Hemisphere at least, but how do you do three-piece dressing when it's hot? I don't think you have to do three-piece dressing when it's hot, but same as them. I wear a jacket everywhere. Have you been on the subway in New York in the summer? <laughs> I've been on the tube in London in the summer. Okay, can Yeah. Oh my God. I love the tube in London where they're like, we're not going to do, there's signs everywhere that are like, we're not going to cool anything down. If you faint, you're responsible. So like, it's just literally like, it's up to you. (laughs) Bring your water. The tube's not going to stop. Just don't faint on our tube. Thank you so much. (laughs) I think that a topper, maybe if it's like, oh, absolutely sweltering. Okay. Maybe not practical. But most of the time, a top layer, even if it's a linen blazer, kind of on your shoulders, okay, is a really great way to pull an outfit together. However, if it's super hot, let's three-piece it with a dress, a shoe, and a bag. Okay. This is something that you and I talked oh. about, actually. We talked about how you were saying that you have sort of a couple of pairs of shoes, that you love and you have to do a ton of walking for your job. And I said, yes. but are you always walking? And you said, okay, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to you, there is no way that you can have a variety of outfits without a variety of things. There just isn't. Yeah, particularly right. purses. Like I told you, I was like, mm-hmm. I, I bought a purse, I found my purse, and now I'm right. done buying I purses. I have the purse. <laughs> and you were like, no. <laughs> And it's true. And then I bought two more right. purses at your guidance and they weren't very pricey and they do make my outfits look really different. And I feel like a grown up when I right. wear them. And that is the difference. So that one dress that you have, let's say it's like a black shirt dress, it will feel totally different with a sneaker and a backpack as it would with a high heel mm. sandal and a little, you know, beaded bag for nighttime. Those things change your outfit but you have to have a variety of them to be able to make it feel easy okay what's one thing that people inadvertently do that you see kind of commonly that makes people look less stylish than we might want to dressing like they're at home <laughs> but we are at home, like all the time these days <laughs> yeah but it's the comfort thing, though. So do you mean, like, dressing like you're too comfortable, Like you're basically? too comfortable. I was just talking about this with Jevin yesterday, who works with me. That, like, we were talking about airline travel in sort of the olden times. 
Then people yes. used to like get dressed up to go on a plane, and now you go to the airport and everybody is in their absolute comfiest clothing, which I get. Yeah. I'll wear a sweatsuit, <laughs> but I'll be damned if I'm not wearing a cute shoe and a great jacket and a fun bag. Like, I want an outfit always. And I want outfits to be easy for people, for sure. But leggings and a baggy old t shirt and a pair of shitty Birkenstocks on the way out the door do not an outfit make. You're, so, you're making a face. Yeah. <laughs> I feel called out because Birkenstocks are my primary shoe. <laughs> they are so comfortable and I just got the all black ones. And so I'm like, they're all black. So thus they must go with every they outfit because they're black. They really don't. I actually think so. Shoes is something I want to get into okay. because I think shoes are where my outfits go to die. <laughs> like I think that shoes are where my outfits are cute. Uh-huh. And then I have like a cute little dress on and then I just wear my Birkenstocks mm-hmm. and I look like a college student or something. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like I don't look chic, but I also do like to be able to, we like, we've talked a lot about on this podcast about sneaking in walking right. and moving and stuff like that into your life. And if I'm wearing uncomfy shoes, I'm not going to do that. And I'm not willing to make that trade off. So come up with some cute and comfortable shoe options for me. I'd love for you to like talk through not physically making women unable to walk very right. well while also having their outfit not die at the feet. I think, I mean, I certainly don't want outfits dying. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a ton of options right now. We're lucky that sort of athleisure and comfort, especially considering the past few years, are trendy right now. There are so many fun you know, sneakers at every price point. There are Wolfers and Milos and Birkenstocks, not the ones with like the thong sandal piece. Oh, God. No, no, no. The two strap in a solid color. Cute. Not the ones that you used to wear as like a camp counselor, not those. The cute black leather ones. Those are great. And I get it. A ton of us are out, you know, walking the dog and walking with our kids to the park. And I don't think that you have to sacrifice comfort, but I do think that people are attached to a level of comfort that isn't reasonable at all times. Mm, that's interesting. The fact that so many of us feel like, I only want to wear my dreams because they're so comfortable. Like, it's as if we've completely forgotten how to wear hard pants or shoes that need breaking in. There's also interesting studies around how when you're super comfortable, like sweatsuit comfortable, you don't perform as well on tests and stuff like that as you do when you dress up a little bit. So if you wore, they did like tests where they had kids wear like suits and dresses to school and they actually Mm -hmm. perform better on tests than when they were in their more comfortable clothes. So I do think there's an interesting like- Oh, that's interesting, yeah benefits. I think comfortable is still really important. I'm literally sitting here in like a jumpsuit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in a sweatshirt. I'm comfy. And I totally, I never want to be uncomfortable, ever. I don't want to be uncomfortable. But 
I mean, we all know that feeling of putting an outfit on and feeling more like ourselves. Yeah. Feeling yeah. sort of awakened, you know, it's sort of a ritual of mine. I'm sure we all have them. You know, you get up, you brush your teeth, you put your makeup on, whatever it might be. For me, getting dressed for a day makes me feel prepared to tackle it. I also like that when you picked out shoes for me, you took things that didn't feel stylish inherently, like loafers, and then you got Mm -hmm. me one that had a big chunky sole and that made it feel cool. And then same with lug sole boots. I think there's a way of taking shoes that kind of feel really comfy and cozy and then like elevating them. Is it just a lug sole? Now that I'm saying both of those examples, is that the secret? (laughs) A lug sole is a hot tip. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But I think thinking about the shape of something that is comfortable and then seeing what else is available in terms of trends, like a sneaker is not that from a loafer. Mm -hmm. It, It really isn't, you know, even an Oxford those even lace up, and they both have flat soles, but one is brown leather, and one is like a Nike mesh running shoe. Those things completely change your outfit. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, well, just to find, put a pin on our comfort conversation, is there <laughs> pieces that you think have the highest cute-to-comfort coefficient? Like you're wearing an oversized sweatshirt and I know you wear leather Uh leggings. So what are the things Uh in your wardrobe that are the most stylish, that are the most comfortable? Most stylish, most comfortable. Leather legging, high, high ranking. Okay. Do you have brands you like for leather leggings? The Aritzia Daria pant is like fave, fave, fave. Super high waist, big chunky waistband. So it's like a bit of a, bit of a sucking in. We love that. The Spanx uh, faux mm. leather writing, those are a really good brand. And they have extended sizing. So a ton of like trivia and pastorals. We love those too. Oversized sweatshirts right now, for sure, we are so lucky that sweatsuits are hot. Like you can put a sweatsuit on and a sick pair of sneakers and like a blazer or a motorcycle mm. jacket, that's an outfit. You're wearing your pajamas. <laughs> Are there brands you're loving for sweatsuits? H&M actually has incredibly affordable, good quality sweats. They sell so fast. So you have to check back and to try to find the matching sets would be a bit of a challenge, but worth it if you can. The Pangaea ones are a bit more expensive, but those are really good. And Aritzia, too, they have a bunch of different kind of weights of the fleece, so you can get an airier, lighter fleece, so you can get something way heavier, way cozier, depending if you run hot or cold. I do think that matching sets are like a really great style secret because it like makes you look put together even when you are, it just is that it's made of the same material, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, the best. And they're so on trend. They've been around for a couple of years, but you can get them in a variety of shapes. If you are feeling more feminine, you can do like a knit skirt with a matching cardigan. 
They even have sort of little sweater sets now that you can have like a little bralette and a matching cardigan. Mm. And it makes your outfit feel tied together without you having to do any thought. Yeah, like very, very intentional. And then just to, yeah. to point out, so you mentioned again with the sweatsuits, we're adding those extra pieces to pull it together. So it's about the shoe. It's about the topper. Yeah. Probably about the bag. I, probably about the bag. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think that you always have to be thinking about your outfit. Like you can put on your comfy stuff, even if, frankly, it is leggings and a white t-shirt you can make that look cute grab an oversized denim jacket and a great tote bag and a cover and a big trunky sneaker that's it all right we talked about this a little bit when i was having my initial call with you but i'm really curious about the idea of like dressing for certain body types and the advice that we're given around that as a short person Mm. i have been told for my entire life that i should wear long lines, all the same color to trick people into somehow thinking Uh I'm taller, which I'm not sure how they'll be tricked when they're looking physically down at me. Uh Uh-huh. And then I also remember advice about using proportions to distract from like my pear shape. Do you think when we're dressing, are we distracting from our apples or pears or these body type rules? Do you find them helpful? Mm, How do I say this? diplomatically <laughs> I <laughs> I hate them I hate them so much <laughs> and maybe it's an unpopular opinion I have to be aware that I'm speaking from a thin body but I think that so much of it is bullshit so much of it is steeped in patriarchy too the idea that smaller is better mm-hmm. especially for women doesn't end our bodies. It's also about our minds and our opinions and the physical volume of our voices. And that to me is so frustrating. It's probably very frustrating to my husband because I say, stop interrupting me all the time. (laughs) But it's something that I think about so, so much when my clients are telling me, but doesn't that make me look bigger? Doesn't that make me look writer accentuate my xyz i hate it i always say sort of like fuck flattering i hate the word flattering mm, interesting what what are we flattering what does that mean flattering for who mm. for your eyes for male attention for who if You want to wear an outfit that is sort of body-hugging, body-accentuating one day, go for it. If that's what you feel like wearing that day, if you feel like flattering your ass today, let's do that. But if you feel like wearing something oversized and crazy and fashion-forward that isn't traditionally flattering, also do that. Mm. Also play with that. Also have fun with that. We are losing the joy in our clothing when we limit ourselves to only flattering our bodies. And I say often, like, we can see you. <laughs> I, I can see that you are five feet tall. I see that. <laughs> there is no... <laughs> To be very clear, I'm five foot one and a half. So I just want to make it clear that Charlie is not talking about me. 
individually right. because I am taller than that. Yeah, I'm five foot two. I'm practically a model. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not fooling people, right. essentially. And you're just right. kind of telling yourself mentally that you should be fooling people, but you're also not doing it. So it's like a double whammy of a negative outcome. Right. You're not fooling anyone and you are making yourself feel like you have to. Yeah. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. You all already know that I'm obsessed with these. They've been my trail and life companion for literally years. I honestly don't think that I've taken a single hike in the last maybe three years without a Go Macro bar. I also have one in my purse at all times. They are so delicious and they're one of the only bars out there that actually makes me feel full and not all sugar high jittery. We'll get into my favorite flavors in a second, and I have very strong feelings about this. But first, a bit about Go Macro. They're a mother-daughter-owned company, which I love, and all of their products are made with 100% renewable energy and sustainably sourced ingredients, which I quite possibly love even more. Macro bars are made from 100% plant-based ingredients, and they're certified organic, vegan, gluten-free, kosher, non-GMO, clean, raw, and soy-free. They also have three nut-free flavors, including oatmeal chocolate chip, maple sea salt, and sunflower butter and chocolate, and nine certified FODMAP-friendly flavors. So no matter what your dietary needs are, you can find a bar for you. Okay, let's talk about flavors. I am truly obsessed with the oatmeal chocolate chip. It has these little oat flecks in it that are kind of crunchy and so satisfying. I like crave these. Like I'd choose to eat one for dessert if it was on the menu at a restaurant. My other favorite is the double chocolate with the peanut butter chips because the peanut butter chips are life-giving. And Zach, of course, likes the, you guessed it, mocha one. If you like your bars to have a fruity vibe, they also have a cherries plus berries bar and as an added bonus, a percentage of net proceeds from October sales of that bar will be donated to the Keep a Breast Foundation, whose mission is to empower young people around the world with breast health education and support. Truly, these bars have ruined most other bars for me. If you want to try Go Macro's macro bars for yourself, you can get a whopping 30% off your order of $50 or more plus free shipping by going to gomacro.com and using the code HEALTHIERTOGETHER. Again, that's gomacro.com and the code is HEALTHIERTOGETHER. Stock up on the oatmeal chocolate chip or check out the Cherries Plus Berries bar to make your dollar do even more good. Now, let's get back to the episode. What do you tell clients when they come to you? Like I got a million questions when I asked for questions about how do I dress my larger chest and not look boxy or how do I style so that my stomach doesn't have visible rolls and things like that? What do you do when clients come to you with body specific issues that they feel they need to hide or dress around, not even hide? Yeah, see, that's the word that I hate. Like, I'm not going to help you hide anything. I'm just not. If you want a stylist that is willing to help you hide your body, then you've come to the wrong person. You know, you talk sometimes about body neutral feelings or body loving feelings. I'm here to help with clothing that I think fits your body. I don't want you to have anything that fits poorly, but I do want you to have things that have a variety of shapes. And if you're large-chested, I think that sometimes like a cool boxy cardigan 
but the live mic pant would look amazing. And we'll try it on. And eight times out of 10, they'll be like, oh, shit, it kind of does. I want people to try different things. And often they're very shocked that, in fact, it doesn't make them like bigger, wider, whatever. And also, I point out that everybody has something. Like, if I dressed to hide all of the things I don't particularly find my favorite things about myself, I would never leave the house. So if we're switching that narrative, though, is it just dressing? Like when I'm trying stuff on in the mirror, if I'm not dressing to look taller or to balance my pairship, am I literally, what should I be thinking as I'm dressing to know if I like something? Dress that. Do I like it? Does this feel like it's communicating, you know, fun, confidence, and knowledge of fashion? Are you participating in a trend because you wanted to, you know? Are you wearing, like, right now, skinny jeans are the big hubbub everybody's freaking <laughs> out about skinny jeans. Yeah. And so we're doing, like, a straight leg pant. And so many of my clients or my, my husband says, I look blank, blank, blank. But I love them. So, like, why, 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 why do we care if we like it yeah I think it's a muscle though like I think it's hard to even know what you like after so long of being told this is what you should wear this is how you dress for your body this is how you should dress for the male gaze etc etc it's really hard to kind of push through all of that and be like what do I actually want to look like I think that there's a lot of unlearning to do about all of the sort of fashion rules that we've been told and a lot of it came from stuff that I voraciously read when I was young like Cosmo you remember it would be like 15 fashion rules to fire your figure like that job looking back at it now half of that is absolute bullshit and something I think you're totally right about it being a muscle that you have to I think that it's really important for people to try stuff on. The assumption that anybody's stylist didn't try on 50 outfits to get there Mm. is incorrect. I, again, you know, have the sort of awareness, I'm speaking from a thin body, but if you don't think that I don't try on probably eight, pairs of jeans at Zara before I find one that I maybe like mm. or wear different sizes at different stores or sometimes at the same store. I do. We all do. You have to try stuff on, flex that muscle, see what you like. Go on Pinterest, follow you know people on Instagram that you think are stylish and see if there are commonalities to what you like. I also loved you did a Pinterest tip that I thought was such a hot tip where you were like, don't search cute fall outfits, search cute fall outfits 2021 because yes. it puts it in random or I don't know, most popular. Like you could be getting served stuff from 10 years ago. Yeah. Pinterest isn't chronological. That is such a good tip. So like if you're searching vacation outfits, 
you may be getting vacation outfits from 2001. Like, <laughs> that ain't cute. Which might be cute again these days. <laughs> I feel like that's what the kids are wearing. Yeah, these yeah. Days. The youth are telling it. Yeah. <laughs> but putting in the year, yeah, for sure. Or putting in street style or fashion week, then you can really get probably some more extreme outfits, but you can take cues from them and be like, oh, I see a ton of oversized dresses or a ton of, you know, Leatherman jackets or a ton of trendy mitts. And then you can start to understand sort of the fashion vocabulary that is relevant for that season. And when you're shopping, you'll be able to be in H&M or Zara and say, oh, there's that thing I saw and I'm going to try it and see if I hate it. How do you approach trends? Like, do you buy a certain, do you recommend clients, not you, because I'm sure you buy more than than I would buy, but (laughs) how would you recommend clients approach trends in terms of how many different things to buy every season so that they feel they're keeping up, but also they're kind of keeping their core long-term style? Mm. I think it's a bit to do with that sort of awareness piece, like following People whose style you admire, seeing what they are doing, following your favorite brands, browsing the website, seeing those sort of commonalities again, and then thinking about what feels applicable to you and to your life and what do you like, and then picking one or two of those things every season and allocating your budget accordingly. You know, if it feels like a really kind of gimmicky, campy trend, then don't allocate a ton of funds. But if it feels like something that might be sticking around the sort of wider like theme, maybe you want to invest in a really beautiful pair of denim, but maybe you don't want to invest in like a little beaded Gen Z necklace, you know? That you can get on Amazon. That you don't have to invest in. I was feeling really sad one night during the pandemic in like February and I um, (laughs) got one of those like beaded, I was sad and drunk (laughs) to be clear. (laughs) And I bought one of those like beaded necklaces and I bought it from a very trendy designer. Dua Lipa has her necklace and Joe Jonas. And so I spent Uh $200. (gasps) On this beaded necklace. And I woke up the next morning and I was like, that's literally the stupidest thing you have ever done in your life. I cannot believe you. And I regretted it instantly, Uh. but like she was already making it. I'd done the order. I'm like, okay, you supported a small business. Like, it's good for you. Okay, yeah. You did your part. (laughs) I did like a buying freeze though after that. I was just like trying to atone for my... And I knew, and then every friend who sees it is like, yeah, that's a cute necklace. Like, did your niece make that for you? Yes, she did. (laughs) No, she didn't. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. I think it's hard when you say it, it feels obvious, but I think it can be hard to know. Are those crisscross jeans going to be around for a while? It's hard to identify which are the things that are going to stick around and are worth investing in and which are the beaded necklaces or I feel like those like brightly colored checkered outfits are like not gonna be around for but I think it can be hard to identify that do you have a trick knowing what's gonna stay versus what's brief I think that 
things that involve a big sort of shape or proportion change are more mm. likely to have some longevity than something like a cover or a texture. So from skinny to straight leg or mom jeans is a right. more likely to stick around than like exactly. the crazy pattern things. Right, or like a shape of a shoe. Rounded toes have sort of receded and now we're into like square and pointy things that involve sort of a big shape or proportion change. Those are ones that I think that you should be paying attention to. And the other kind of noisier stuff like patterns and covers and beaded necklaces and crisscross fives, that stuff is like fun and passing and if you want to participate great but if you don't then I think you can probably rest assured that in 24 months it's not really to matter I really yeah. want the beaded necklace trend to just stay around forever I'm hoping that just becomes a well, classic you've invested now yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> I will insist that it stays around forever I use every bit of my influencer power to be like guys beaded necklaces have you cool. heard of the beaded necklace <laughs> Oh, actually, I was going to quiz you on stores, but I forgot. I have one question, and mm. I mostly want to use this to argue with my mother. So oh, we'll see good. how it goes. But she's been telling me that I'm a winter my whole life and that Holy I need to wear gosh. bright okay. colors because mm-hmm. I'm a winter. And mm-hmm. I'm curious if you're a winter or a summer. I don't know if there's fall and spring or if you're just a winter, but if you believe there's colors that fit a person and they should kind of stick to that palette or if that's total bullshit i think it's total bullshit that's my answer i hope my mom's listening to this episode (laughs) i think that's crazy i get if you have like a color that you feel looks best on you or makes you feel your best amazing keep that in your back pocket but the thing that i hate 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 is much of what we talked about here these goddamn rules that stop us from trying shit on, from having any fucking fun with our clothing, and from getting to know what we like. How are we supposed to know what we like if every time we go into Zara, we're like, well, I can't wear wide-leg pants, I can't wear blue, I can't wear green, I can't do a tight top. Pink isn't for me. Like, you're limiting yourself so much. Go in there. Try what you want. Experiment. And don't take advice from people you wouldn't want advice from. Like, who you wouldn't want to look like. I think that's one of the biggest life rules that people forget is if you don't want your life to look like that person's in whatever way they're giving advice. It doesn't need to be universal. If you don't want your hair to look like your hairstylist, if you don't like her hair, don't have her be your hairstylist. Right. If you don't like the shape of somebody's career, don't go to them for career advice. And I think we, especially with friends, I feel like we're so like, what would my friend say about this dating situation? And you wouldn't want your dating life to look like that friend. Yeah, I think that Glennon Doyle said a thing like don't take directions from people in like places that they've never been or something like that. Totally. And that's so true. You know, oh, your husband doesn't like your jeans? Well, your husband is wearing man sandals. So, you know what? 
second. <laughs> my husband is not the ideal for fashion advice. He just isn't. Uh, it's such a good point. It's such a good point. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. When I worked as a magazine editor, I wrote more than a thousand articles about turmeric because pretty much all of the doctors that I used as sources kept recommending it or citing it as one of the supplements that they would personally take. Here's the background. Turmeric is one of the most powerful ways to fight inflammation. In a nutshell, there are two types of inflammation, acute and chronic. Acute inflammation can actually be a good thing. It's one of the ways that your body heals and repairs itself. But when that system goes haywire, we get chronic inflammation, which essentially makes your body feel like it's constantly under attack. The vast majority of doctors I work with cite chronic inflammation as one of the root causes of so many of our modern ailments, and research links inflammation with heart disease, diabetes, autoimmune conditions, cancer, arthritis, and gut issues like Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. I am never going to sit around and tell you that a supplement will cure everything that ails you, but if you're looking for a turmeric supplement to help get your inflammation under control, I am extremely impressed with Paleo Valleys. To increase the bioavailability of turmeric, you need to consume it with black pepper, which most people know, and fat, which many people forget about. Paleo Valley's turmeric complex has black pepper and coconut oil to maximize absorption and three other powerful anti-inflammatories, ginger, rosemary, and clove, for a maximum synergistic response. It also has no fillers, binders, or preservatives and is made with all organic ingredients and just a veggie capsule. Finally, it's third-party tested, which is something I always look for in supplements as extra assurance of their quality. I've had my uncle taking this for about three months, and he's gone from having debilitating back pain due to an autoimmune condition to being almost completely pain-free. Paleo Valley has a number of other incredibly high-quality, food-derived supplements, including a vitamin C that I adore. Vitamin C is my ultimate favorite supplement for skin health, and a NeuroEffect mushroom powder that Zach loves for increasing energy and focus. So definitely explore their website. If you'd like to check out the turmeric complex, the vitamin C, the NeuroEffect, or any of Paleo Valley's other amazing products, head over to paleovalley.com and use the code LizM for 15% off. Off. That's paleovalley.com and code LizM for 15% off your order. And if you have any questions, feel free to hit me up on Instagram. I love chatting about this stuff. Now, let's get back to the episode. I got to ask. Okay. I feel like anybody who's familiar with your Instagram is going to be like, but she's giving us rules all the time. She's telling us what's cool and not cool. So why, uh-huh. why are those rules helpful and these other rules not helpful? I try not to give you rules about how to dress, but I am going to tell you about things that are updated. Okay. So if you want to try this wardrobe approach, here's the cool way to do it versus the not cool way to do it. But this approach is open to anybody and it's not off limits to anybody, basically. For sure. All people are welcome to be stylish. Stylish is for everybody. It's for everybody. But I, I don't know, is that true? I don't give people for us? Probably not. <laughs> but I'm always doing it in the interest of better style. I don't like rules that are exclusionary, saying that something isn't for you because of your body, because of your skin tone. That feels insane. 
it might not be for you because it's from 2008, but it's not not because it's red, you know? Okay, that's interesting. And I do on my Instagram is definitely from a general sense. I try to do as much widely received fashion knowledge as possible, but we do always say, like, if you want more specific help, if you are really struggling with your exact body type, if you have a particular life change or something that has happened and you need help from me or from our team, then we've got personal shopping, we've got wardrobe overhauls, we are here to help people with those specific problems if they can't find the answers they want in Instagram stories. Well, and I love the cool, not cool because it almost feels like you're helping me learn a language where right. I'm like something is off about this and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And then you explain mm-hmm. why. And then I like something about this, but I don't know what. And then you explain right. what. Yeah. You and I talked about, we have a celebrity theory or you have a celebrity theory about tight and baggy or something. What yeah. Jack, Courtney Kardashian. I like her style a lot. Say what you will about right. the Kardashians, but I love her style. And I do like the Kardashians for what it's worth. Yeah, I do too. I like them. I think they're entertaining. And I also think that we as a society need to stop elevating people onto platforms and then getting mad at them for having platforms. Because like we put them right. That's that's on us. That's a reflection of us. If we don't like who we're elevating, I think as a society, we need to take a good, long, hard look in the mirror. And then maybe we can talk about things more. We have some good evaluating to do, yeah. (laughs) But I noticed that when she's wearing tight on bottom, she's wearing really baggy on top. And Uh then if she's wearing really tight on top, she's wearing like quite baggy on bottom. And I called it no medium dressing when I talked to you about it because it's like I feel like I wear (laughs) things that are fit me medium, like a sweater that's like not oversized but not fitted, a pant that's not oversized but not fitted. And then you talk Uh to me about juxtaposition and proportions. Right. So you're totally right, like not medium dressing. Oh, God, now I'm going to talk about that on Instagram. (laughs) I tell it like I give up dressing. Mm. It happens a lot to new moms. And no judgment because I've been there. I've been there twice. And it's so easy to lose yourself in a million sort of life stages, but particularly in new motherhood, and feel strange about the big change that your body has just gone through, and you end up wearing those medium clothes, sort of the sweaty legging t-shirt cardigan combination. And by the time your kids are in kindergarten, you realize that you're still wearing it. Mm. And very often women at that very point are coming to me and saying, what the hell happened to me? And it is that medium dressing that is hard to nail, let's say. So that juxtaposition thing that we were talking about and that you totally understood without knowing that you understood it is that proportion play, the very slim with the very oversized, the heavily textured with a cotton basic, the masculine with the feminine. The juxtaposition is what makes fashion interesting, is what makes an outfit interesting, it's what brings dimension. And you'll notice it everywhere. 
the more you start thinking about it. Well, and the thing that brought it home for me was even in home design, we're looking for that. We are looking for hard and soft, or it looks chic when you have like a farmhouse decor, but then you bring in these modern elements, not all one thing. You want things to contrast. Exactly. It's why people love the Joanna James, modern farmhouse. Those things are opposite. And the reason they work, the reason they feel stylish and fresh and dimensional is the juxtaposition of those two things. All right, let's do some quick fire. Particularly, let's do some quick fire around stores and places to shop. What are your favorite places to shop for trendy pieces, for mixing those really on-trend things into our wardrobe? Zara is amazing. Every week there's something new at Zara, and you can always find cheaper version of the big fat trend at Zara. What are your favorite places to shop for high-quality basics? In Canada, we have Holt Renfrew, so... In the States, it would probably be somewhere like Nordstrom, Saks, going to sort of those higher-end brands for a really good quality Modell or Tencel or Cotton Basic. And are those for basics that you think we should be having in our wardrobe? Are those jeans, white t-shirts, or that blazer that you mentioned earlier, that should be probably high quality because that's going to be around forever? I mean... Disagree, partly. Okay. I really believe that spending money even on basic is going to increase your longevity. Especially if you're wearing it a ton, you're probably washing it a ton. Mm. And frankly, some of the most expensive things that I have bought, they last the same amount of time. Like I spent a ton of money on a knit from a fancy store. And it lasted as long as my Zara knits from that mm. season did. So something that I really focus on is affordable, attainable fashion. Like you don't have to spend a ton of money, I don't think, on anything if you don't want to. But if you are assigning big drawers, it should be to bags and coats. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. They do last so much longer. Right. And you're not washing them. And you're wearing them kind of on the outside of outfits, right. And you're not washing and wearing them a ton. What are your favorite places to shop for shoes? Here we have Aldo and Charlotte Spring. Did we get you a couple pairs of shoes from Aldo? No, but we have Aldo here. Okay, I love Aldo. We did DSW for me and Nine West for my chunky loafer. Yeah, Aldo and Spring are really good for super affordable shoes. Step up would be like Steve Madden. And then for something beautiful quality that's going to last a really long time, Stuart Weitzman has beautiful shoes. Are these all comfortable-ish? Relatively. I also have decided, I don't know your thoughts on this. I'm going to take the heels that you had me buy and I'm just going to go get the most comfortable orthopedic inserts that I can get and just put them in the heel. Correct. Okay. Do that. Yeah. I feel like because that's often what you're paying for in some of this stuff. So if you can get a pair of Steve Madden shoes and then just get that orthopedic insert, you're like golden. Especially if you can't see it, like a loafer or a sneaker or a pump with the back. Yeah, put an insert in there. Even if you have to size up a half a size, perfect. So we've mentioned the handbags a lot. Where would you shop on the affordable end for handbags? And then where would you shop if you wanted to invest in a handbag? 
favorite place right now for affordable handbags is Mango. They are managing to do really expensive looking, trendy, mm. and sort of staple pieces. That when they arrive, they arrive and you're like, oh man, this is heavy. The leather is beautiful. The hardware is textured. Those bags that they are putting out are really incredible. Obviously, Zara and h H&M, they always have a great collection of accessories. And then if you're looking for something more high-end, you should be looking at your favorite designers. This is a place where you can kind of bring in sustainability and you can shop secondhand. Poshmark is amazing. I'm sure in whatever city you're in, you probably have like a consignment or a luxury reseller. I love mine and yours. Uh, they're out of Vancouver. And they have like, oh, God, just swoon-worthy handbags at like half the price. And then you can sell your gently used designer items. That's a nice way to kind of make fashion a bit more cyclical. But otherwise, yeah, you're beautiful luxury designer stores go in there and invest what about favorite places to shop for jeans particularly jeans that are size inclusive jeans is tricky probably the trickiest thing to buy for everybody i would say jeans at the mall are made for one body type and it doesn't matter who you are it never feels like it's you i really like Aritzia, they have denim form and age They are really beautiful. Probably denim. It is only straight sizing. I think they go up to 14, maybe 16. Eloquy for plus girls, they have really great denim. Torrid has some really good denim. Abercrombie for curvier girls, they've done some really innovative stuff for denim. I've heard that the in-store experience hasn't changed. It still smells we like you're in high yeah. school. <laughs> yeah, it smells like the high school prom in there. Nobody's going to talk to you. But online, <laughs> they have a whole range of denim that they're calling Turve Love. Mm. And so it has more fabric in the hip and a tighter waistband. That's my thing, 100%. Yeah. yeah. If it fits my butt, it's gapping at my mm-hmm. waist, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women have that problem and the multitude of others with denim. And I always say to tailor your jeans. I am, again, in a pretty thin body, but I tailor every pair of jeans I have. Every pair. You buy them and how do you know when it's good enough to tailor? If it fits in my hips, but it's gapping at my waist, is that what I'm looking for? And then I bring it in and they make it tighter at my waist? Or do I just buy something that's overall bigger everywhere and no, they make no, it fit me? For your body shape, yes. So you're going to fit generally the biggest part of you and then tailor what needs to be tailored down. Okay. Easier to tailor down than up, right? So for you, you'd be fitting your thigh, your bum. And then they'd be able to cinch in at the back. Okay. But for another girl that maybe carries more of her weight in her stomach, she'd be fitting her waist and then potentially tailoring through the hip. To fit your largest part as 
and be like, when you love the fit on your largest part, then you tailor the rest to match that. Exactly. Okay, cool. All right. This is a question that a listener had that I thought was really interesting. What's the difference when I'm paying $200 for jeans versus like $100 jeans? Am I getting a different quality of jean? Depends where you're shopping. Sometimes no, sometimes yes. Usually a merger of a really cheap pair of jeans is there's a ton of stretch in it. Those super elastic jeans, they are not going to have a very long life. Those elastic properties break down very easily. You can mm. stretch them out. You can put them in hot water to wash them and physically break those mm. pieces of stretch. So often you'll find that higher quality jeans has a bit of a stiffer texture because it doesn't have as high an elastic content. So sometimes you are paying for a much higher quality denim. Sometimes you're just paying for a label. It really depends. I think that you can get a really good quality pair of jeans for under a hundred dollars. And then can mm-hmm. you just end us on five items that you think every single person should have in their closet? And that's our excellent base. Oh yeah. Okay. A light scoop neck bodysuit. Ooh. I'll get back to the other four. You single-handedly converted me to bodysuits. I used to oh. buy bodysuits sometimes and then just cut off, I don't know, the vagina snaps. I don't know what those are called. Um, <laughs> I was just like, why am I having this thing strapped around my uh-huh. butt and stuff mm-hmm. if I don't have to, if I can just tuck it in? And then you were like, you're never going to get the lines with a tucked in shirt that you're going right. to get with a bodysuit. And I started paying attention to that. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's right. Uh-huh. It's a completely different the way it sits and it doesn't bunch or wrinkle. Right. The hold that you get on that nice tight bodysuit is so different than like shoving a long tank top into your jeans. And a bodysuit versus a tucked in top because you're looking for mm-hmm. that pole, which is giving... Your vagina is acting as a beautiful anchor for your vagina, as always, is acting as a beautiful (laughs) anchor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so what are the other four? So, a light scoop neck bodysuit. I think you have to have a really great black blazer, whether it is sort of an oversized, boxy vibe, or if it's something a bit slimmer in proportion, I think you have to have a great black blazer. That will go over a dress for a wedding, and it will go over a pair of jeans. Mm. Amazing. I think you have to have one perfect pair of denim, and that means perfect for you. It can be a pair of skinnies, if those are your favorite. Or it can be a pair of wide leg or a pair of straight props. Something in a really beautiful blue, not too much distressing, something classic. Mm. I think everybody should have a pair of nude pumps, just like the pair of shoes that you put on and you can't fucking figure out what pair of shoes to wear. The pair of shoes. Also has a great pair of nude pumps that they do every year. I think they're called like the Stessy. They're a Louboutin knockoff. Perfect. And lastly, I think... I don't want to say a little black dress, but your dress. Mm. The dress that you put on that makes you feel great, 
whether it makes you feel feminine or badass or stylish or whatever it is, a dress is the easiest thing to wear, I think. It is just one and done. And that way you can throw that dress on with your black blazer and a pair of sneakers at the door. Good to go. All right. If people want to follow you on Instagram or find out more about your styling, where should they go? They can go to www.traveryoss.com or you can find me on Instagram. I'm just at traveryoss. We've danced around some of the different stuff you do, but do you want to just kind of briefly talk about what you do over on Charlie Goss? Charlie with no E, C-H-A-R-L-Y, Goss.com. Yep. Used to be just me, but now it's a team. We are wardrobe and fashion stylists, and we also do interior projects. So kind of helping women find their style however we can. A lot of women just don't feel like they have the confidence to do it on their own. So that's where we come in. I'm also sort of the fashion educator by accident on Instagram. And that's what we do over there. We talk about what is cool, what is not cool, how to make outfits amazing, the mistakes that you might be making, how to fix them. I show you what I'm buying, what I'm wearing, what's new in store, all of the things. Love that. Love that. I highly recommend following you on Instagram. I feel like I learn something new every single day, honestly. It's been very eye-opening for me. And I really appreciate you sharing all this wisdom with us here. I'm so excited to go tell my mom that her color theory is not (laughs) not relevant. (laughs) Yes, that I'm going to go wear the summer colors. I'm going to look fabulous doing it. Yeah, you are. Okay, well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been so fun working together and hope to chat again soon. I hope you loved this episode with Charlie. I'm just like in love with her. I think she's so cool, so awesome. And she's honestly just changed how I approach my own style in my life. And I feel so much more confident since I started working with her, since I started following her and all of that. So I hope you were imbued with a little bit of her wisdom, with a little bit of her confidence. Remember, you can find her on Instagram. She is at Charlie Goss. I would love to hear your thoughts, feedback, reaction. I want to see any cute outfits that you put together after listening to this episode. So definitely screenshot, take pictures of yourself, go shopping and take pictures of yourself and tag me on Instagram. I am at Liz Moody. Also tag Charlie. She would love to see, I'm sure. And if you did love the episode, I would so appreciate a quick rating or review on whatever podcast platform that you listen to. Takes two seconds. I promise. I try to do it like once a month. I go through to all the podcasts that I'm listening to at the moment and I do a quick rating or review because it's free to me and it helps the content creators so, so much. So if you do do that, or if you have done that in the past, I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. All right. I hope you love this episode and I will see you on the next episode of the Healthier Together podcast next Wednesday. Have a great day. There is so much incredible science behind red light therapy. There's research going all the way back to 1903 that won a Danish physician a Nobel Prize for showing that exposure to concentrated red light accelerated physical healing. And research from NASA has shown that it boosts the production of growth factor proteins and collagen, among many other incredible things. I am obsessed with red light therapy. It is so science-supported, and I've personally seen huge, huge benefits. 
I use Bond Charge's Max Red Light Therapy device, which is a red light panel. So I'm not limiting its benefits to my face. I feel like the masks are so popular right now, but I would like to expose my entire body to the red light. That way, it helps with not only my skin, my collagen production, but also increasing energy, decreasing pain, repairing cellular damage, improving mental health and cognitive function, and so much more. You are not spending that much more money to get a panel versus a mask, but you get a much more versatile device with way more powerful effects. Bond Charge's Max Red Light Therapy device gives you professional-grade equipment straight at your home for the best price that I have seen anywhere. You can stand your max panel on the floor on any flat surface, or you can hang it on the back of a door. It is really lightweight, and it is so easily stored away in the closet when you are done using it for the day. You only need 10 to 20 minutes, so Zach and I actually meditate in front of it naked, Uh, but there's lots of ways that you can habit stack it into your routine, so you do whatever sounds good to you. Check out Bond Charge's Max Red Light Therapy device now on bondcharge.com and use my exclusive promo code LizMoody at checkout. Bond Charge products are all HSA, FSA eligible, giving you tax-free savings of up to 40%. And for a limited time on top of that, my listeners will get 15% off when you order from bondcharge.com and use my exclusive promo code LizMoody at checkout. That is B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E.com. You will also get free shipping and a 12-month warranty. Go now to get this exclusive offer that is bondcharge.com with promo code Liz Moody to get 15% off.